0: David Lay is a professor emeritus of Geography at UBC. In 2010 uh, Mr. Lay wrote Millionaire Migrants which looked at foreign investment in Vancouver's real estate market. Now on Monday he was on the show talking about his new book Housing Booms in Gateway Cities. The the book looks at how Vancouver and other global cities handled the influx of foreign cash over the past decade and lessons to be learned uh, from their experience. Now in a nutshell cities like Vancouver, Hong Kong, London, Sydney uh, and Singapore are disproportionately impacted by Real estate uh, investment. And Those are the five cities uh, that Mr. Lay focused on in the book. Only one of them doesn't have a housing crisis. It's Singapore. Why? Well, take a listen to what they did in that city, according to Professor Lay.
1: Singapore, in many ways, is is a quite unique city-state. From the beginning, a decision was made that everybody would be every Singaporean would be a home-owning stakeholder in the country. So after independence, government controlled all of the land, so, so that the land is all publicly owned, and developed the, a housing program where they were the major supplier. The government agency was the major supplier of housing that was leased to Singaporeans for 99 years.
0: So that's one response, which is using government land to build housing. One, what You're going to argue, well, what about personal property rights or systems are different? So be it. But I just wanted to lay out that one argument Mr. Lay made. Here is a second comment uh, he made in regards to why Singapore has been successful, and that comes down to that community's foreign buyers tax. Take a listen.
1: Here in BC, we've had a 15 and then 20% tax on foreign buyers uh, for some years now. Well, in Singapore uh, this spring, they increased that foreign buyers tax to 60%, 6-0. And, and not, not only that, but if you're a Singaporean, again, as of this spring, this is a tax that has been constantly rising over the years. Uh, this spring, uh, for purchase of a second property by a Singaporean, a 25% tax was introduced.
0: So, as Professor Lay said, a foreign buyer's tax that is now at sixty percent, six zero, from uh, compared to what we have here in British Columbia, which is twenty percent, and even local investors, if they buy a secondary a second property, it would be a twenty five percent buyer's tax. Joining me now to talk a little bit about how Singapore handled housing uh, investments and whether or not we can get away with some of the things they implemented in that city uh, is Michael Geller. He's president of the Geller Group Architect. He's a planner and real estate consultant. Welcome, Michael.
2: Jazz, one of the things I love about coming in your show is you never tell
0: me what we're going to talk about. <laughs> well, I, I broadly want to talk about foreign buyers tax and tax and what we can do. I don't pretend that you're going to have all the answers. That, that would be impossible for any one person. Uh, but I, I, you heard my interview um, with yes. Professor Lay on Monday, and we talked about Hong Kong, London, Sydney, Australia, and Singapore, and, of course, Vancouver. Um, your thoughts, first and foremost, could we get away with any of what Professor Lay has mentioned here in regards to our system, not only just politically, and, but also Vancouver and British Columbia culturally? Can we get away with what uh, Professor Lay was recommending for the city? You know by
2: way of history, if you go back sixty seventy years, the Canadian government built quite a lot of housing, mm-hmm. indeed what we call public housing and there 's quite a few public housing projects in Vancouver. They were being built across the country. Many of the people involved in building those homes were from England because England had a great tradition of building what they call council flats and indeed, a lot of the British population lived in government housing and it 's interesting that in the last 50 years, the governments have slowly moved away selling off those projects. And in Canada, we moved away from the government building housing to allowing non-profit groups, the Kiwanis, the Lions Club, different groups like that to build, because it was felt that was a better solution. Now, there are other places like Singapore that have had heavy government involvement, Many people talk about the city of Vienna in Austria, which has a tremendous history of building government housing. But it is interesting, when times are good, most people want to see the government get out of the housing business. And when times are difficult, and they are right now, mm-hmm. more and more people want it. And indeed, yesterday, Vancouver City Council voted to start making city-owned lands available for housing and to sort of reinvigorate their Vancouver Affordable Housing Agency. Mm-hmm. So I think I think there there's some interest. But as for the degree of taxation, I have a feeling that's not something people want to see. I would point out, though, that when people do invest in second homes and third homes, if they make money on those homes, they do pay a capital gains tax yes. on any lift. So we
0: do have something like that. Uh, with these local investors, as is, 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 uh, Professor Lay was saying, a 25% tax on a secondary home Uh, In the case here, people who do invest, and in most cases, not always, but most cases those are uh, rented out eventually to a local population. In fact, the last uh, item that you and I discussed the last time
2: I was in the studio was somebody calling complaining about investors and foreign investors. And I said, well, before you're too critical, Mm -hmm. remember, most of the homes that they do own are occupied by people who are born in Vancouver or born in Canada. So, yes, yes. And indeed, I just saw an article today on five reasons why we should be encouraging rather than discouraging investor housing development.
0: Because without the investors, a lot of housing projects just simply won't go ahead. Just won't get built. Um, It was interesting with what uh, Professor Lee was saying. He doesn't ever think uh, we're ever going to get to the point – uh, to housing being so affordable to the point where when he first started as a, as a, i think he was as a young professor at yeah. u b c where he could almost afford a home on his salary at that time um is it just the nature of open societies like Canada like the u k like Australia, we have an open society we have a free enterprise society and culture uh, that it's very difficult for government to any level of government to really bring down housing costs in a significant manner. A, because our system actually doesn't allow that because it's a free and open system. Two, I would argue no politician ever is going to get elected with the term, elect me, I promise to reduce your housing costs by 40% baby boomer and Gen Xer.
2: Or put another way, and we could invite your callers, your listeners to call in, how many of you listening right now would like to see the government reduce the value of your home the yeah. home that you bought with a lot of effort, to see that reduced by half. Yeah. Because ultimately, if we're going to significantly reduce the cost of new housing, effectively we'll be bringing down the cost of all the existing yeah. housing. And that's why I had to agree entirely with David Lay, it's, it's not going to happen. Yeah. The other thing here in Vancouver, this continues to be a very desirable place to live. I was at a presentation last night on the federal government's efforts to increase the supply of housing. They want to build 5.8 million new homes over the next seven years. That's about four times the number of homes we've built in the last four years or 10 years. And indeed, Vancouver and British Columbia would get a larger percentage of that. Unfortunately, it won't happen. It won't happen. But... There's no doubt that we do need a lot more housing, but as I often tell people, Jazz, even if the land is free and you just have to pay for the construction and the
0: various fees and architects, it's still not terribly affordable housing. Hey, welcome back to the show. If you're just joining us, we're speaking to Michael Geller, president of the Geller Group. He's an architect planner and real estate consultant. We were talking about an interview we did on Monday. It was an extended interview with David Lay, Professor Emeritus of Geography at UB, uh, UBC. We talked about gateway cities and, and how uh, they've had to deal with The deal with the influx of foreign investment and how um, that foreign investment disproportionately impacts real estate in those communities. And Professor Lay, uh, who's written two books on this issue, has basically said Vancouver hasn't done well. Hong Kong hasn't done well. London hasn't done well. Sydney, Australia hasn't done well. One city has done well, or at least a lot better than the other four that I've just mentioned. That's because of A, they've used public lands to build homes. And secondly, there is a foreign buyer's tax and a local buyer's tax, foreign tax of 60%. And if uh, you're a Singapore resident and you buy a second property, perhaps an investment property, it's a 25% uh, buyer's tax there as well. I'm wondering, should we be considering the same? I know the systems are different. The cultures are different, uh, as um, uh, Michael was saying as well, but I'm very curious as to think, what can we? do to make housing as affordable as possible in the city
3: 604-280-9898
0: let's go to hardy in langley hi hardy
3: hi thanks for taking my call and i always enjoy michael geller on your show Uh, he has great insight i think one of the problems he alluded to was like even if the land was given for free i work in the construction industry uh concrete specifically and the price of concrete has gone up just astronomically in the last couple of years And the free land's not going to change that. And a lot of the job sites that I attend to, the big ones, there's a lot of labor that's from Mexico. And so if you're going to have more construction sites, you're going to have to get more laborers coming in. They got to stay somewhere. And the costs are not going to go down. We're in a bad situation of supply and demand. Mm -hmm. I'm just a person. I don't understand all the economics of it. But you have two competing things going on. The need for more public subsidized housing, and you have the free market as well. Like, I'm a homeowner. I own a freestanding home. I don't want my value to go down, but my son, he lives in Beijing. He has no interest in coming back to Vancouver because his quality of life will go down. So there's a real tug and pull there, and I don't know what the solution is. It's It's gone on for so long that the solution is no quick fix. It's going to take a lot of time, but hopefully... Artie, uh, Artie thank you for your call. Really
0: appreciate it. Really good points you're making there. And I think I think he nails it. We've taken a very long time to get into this mess, federally, provincially, municipally, mm-hmm. whatever whoever you want to blame. It's going to take a while. No matter what political leader, municipally, provincially, or federally says, it's going to take time before we are able to get beyond this point, when, to get back to some sort of affordability. And...
2: Uh- Hardy makes an interesting point because I was just reading an article today by Claire Wilson talking about the fact we're actually losing construction workers in mm-hmm. British Columbia. They're moving to Alberta. Why? Not because there isn't work here. There's tons of work here. But the housing is too expensive for the construction workers. Yeah. So they're leaving.
0: Yeah. I had Chris Gardner from ICBA was here a few weeks ago for The Next Mill and He was talking about that as well. All right. Let's go to James in White Rock. Hi, James. Hi, Jess. Thanks for taking my call, Peter. I love listening to you. I'm a builder, and I just sent a 10-man crew to Alberta specifically because my guys can't afford to live here. So for- building affordable housing is going to be pretty hard when you haven't got any way to build it. And the second thing is, uh, when is the province going to be honest with the people that are coming here and let them know that British Columbia is now going to become a renter's state where people aren't going to be able to afford to buy a house and if they come here, they have to come to the conclusion when they move in here, they are never going to own property, they are never going to be able to afford it, and, and they have to earn a certain amount of money to actually live here in the property that exists. James, thank you for your call. I think he's got a point there. <laughs> It's
2: got a number of points, but, you know, you have to be a bit optimistic. And ultimately, there are ways that we can make housing a little bit more affordable without dramatically reducing the cost of all and value of all the existing housing. But we do have to do something about it because otherwise he's quite right. If there's no one here to build the affordable housing that the government wants, we're in trouble. Yeah, absolutely. Michael, thank you for your time. My pleasure.